From Universal Studios in Hollywood, California. The monster movie capital of the world. It's the Horror Hall of Fame. An all-star tribute to terror. Starring Robert England. With special appearances by Forrest J. Ackerman. Linda Blair. Big Bob. Veronica Cartwright. Roger Corman. Sarah Karloff Hutton. Chucky, the Crypt Keeper, Phyllis Diller, Joe Dante, William Friedkin, Catherine Hicks, Pat Hitchcock, Jason, Sam Kinison, John Landis, Janet Lee, Tim Matheson, Ronnie McDowell, Jason Miller, Anthony Perkins, Danny Pintaro, Vincent Price, Joan Rivers, Zelda Rubenstein, Ridley Scott, Tom Skerritt. Plus, lots of horrifying surprises, starting with me. I'm Shadow Stevens. On Saturday, October 27th, 1990, the first annual Horror Hall of Fame Awards aired on TV, Jay. They did, Matt. Round here was on WPIX for extra purple stuff bonus points. Yeah, WPIX, obviously one of our favorite channels of all time that we've discussed in, in great detail. Obviously, across the country, it would have been on any number of networks. I think they basically just sold it to whoever would bid on it. <laughs> it's like this wasn't airing on ABC or anything like that. Yeah, but it felt right to be on WPIX. Of course, of course yeah. it did. Those of you out there who have never heard of it, this was basically a spoof on the Oscars, all horror-related, of course. And it was hosted by Robert England. Good evening. Good evening, and welcome to the first annual Whore Hall of Fame. Tonight, I'm honored to help honor the movies and the artists that have brought our nightmares to life. Yes, um, he plays a character named Freddy Krueger, if you've ever heard yes, of him. Yes, yes, of course, a very <laughs> obscure character, Freddy yeah. Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> and tonight on the Purple Stuff podcast, we are going to dive deep into this legendary TV event. And this really was a big deal because a few of the characters that showed up that night, and I say characters because they're larger than life, were actually in that white tuxedo jacket. Like, this was a big deal. Yes, yes, white tuxedos aplenty. I yeah. mean, we'll get to it, but even Chucky yeah. is in a white tuxedo. Jesus. <laughs> so if you've seen this special, you know why we're going to cover it. And if you haven't, you're about to find out why, because it was just... So unbelievably us. Going back to it after all these years was just unbelievable. Yeah, it's a trip. Horror movies, horror icons, cheesy jokes. The award looks like, it's like the Oscar statue, only it's the Grim Reaper. Well, we have the, uh, the Oscars, the Emmys, and the Grammys. And it appears to me that I probably just received the first Grimmy. So, <laughs> hooray for Hollywood. Who needs a moon man when you have this thing? This is fantastic. So we're going to pull out some highlights, but a couple of notes before we do. First off, I just want to thank Doug Tilly because he very graciously is allowing us to use his copy of the show for this podcast. Is he any relation to Jennifer Tilly? <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, they're married. <laughs> they are. Yes, that's where so. she got the name. <laughs> If anyone wants to see the Horror Hall of Fame Awards, Doug has also uploaded the entire special to YouTube. Just search Hall of Fame Horror 1990 and you'll find it. 
And there's a lot to talk about even before we get into things. There's a couple of cool things I was going to mention to you to see if you noticed. Mm. So in the audience, they really went above and beyond to build up the horror atmosphere. And I don't know if you noticed, but like they would do uh, pans around the audience and you'd see Frankenstein in the audience, uh, the mummy, uh, Phantom of the Opera, almost like seat fillers, but they were horror characters. (laughs) Totally. They even had a couple of gremlins, I think. You weren't expecting it because they played it off like an actual award show. This was an actual live event. Like there was an audience there. It's in this grand hall or something. It, mm-hmm. It's pretty legit considering how ridiculous it is at times. A live audience. This is going to be really scary. And it didn't mock horror or anything. Like, it was just paying everything respect and and giving credit where credit was due. They had Vincent Price and Forrest Ackerman and stuff like that. It was really neat. The really wonderful thing about this show, you have to remember, this is 1990. The horror genre wasn't getting a whole lot of respect back then. It was very much a a niche thing. Yeah, yeah. So this was a big deal. And uh, the event, like you said did have some nice tributes to really big icons, some really sincere tributes to classic movies. And of course, we're going to skip over all of that to talk about the totally inane stuff that happened. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I will say, this has been the best award show that I've seen in probably like the last 20 years. It's just so watchable. Like I think both of us in preparation for this show... We probably both watched it like four or five times each because it's just so watchable. (laughs) It was. It was really good. So you and I picked out some of our favorite bits. Yeah. And I'm going to kick off tonight, Matt, if you don't mind. Oh, I don't mind. In fact, I was going to (laughs) force you to. (laughs) All right. Here we go. special can in the 12 packs and cases of Miller Lite. It's your invitation to go. Oh, it's 45000 on the prizes. Details for Miller Lite. It's sold. Man, it's going to be a scream. All right, Matt, you and I love the commercials and the ads, especially from that time. And when the award show went to commercial, they did air in one segment a Miller Lite commercial with Clarence Clemens, the sax man from the E Street Band. He starred in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And the commercial's fantastic because you open up and you see a haunted house and the purpley sky and some apparitions floating around. And the idea is that they're giving away a trip to Universal Studios. Back then, pretty much every sweepstakes that would be on television would be for a trip to Universal Studios Hollywood. It's <laughs> like every yeah. single time they had a contest. It's Either it, we're yeah. going to win a thousand bucks or get a trip to Universal. Exactly. So they're all dancing in this haunted mansion and Clarence is explaining, you know, if you find the can, you can win a trip to Universal Studios. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. It's a Halloween party in a haunted mansion with Clarence Clemens. It looks like he's wearing an orange and black outfit. 
He's surrounded by these skeleton dancers yeah, on each yeah. side. It's almost like the precursor to David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> I definitely got the impression that it was a happenstance color coordination because, <laughs> to me, first of all, that jacket that he was wearing that you're referring to, it was like a windbreaker. It yeah. looked like the kind of thing you would get from sending proofs of purchase into like a cigarette brand. <laughs> like, you know, smoke enough Salem lights and you'll get this fucking jacket. <laughs> This campaign also had um, print ads all over the place. And I don't know if you remember this, but there were even giant standees in supermarkets. Yes. And I think we talked about this before, but man, during the Halloween season back then, you'd walk through the beer section at a supermarket and it was like visiting a haunt. Oh, yeah. Like I mean, the giant Elviras, the giant monsters, the yeah. giant Clarence Clemenses. Like it was something. If you get lucky, you go into a grocery store that does actually put up the stuff they're supposed to, whether it's for Pepsi or whatever. And like they got standees everywhere and it, it's just cool. So that's one of the best parts of the Halloween season. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so this uh, commercial is on the broadcast that is on YouTube, but it's also just all over YouTube as a standalone because it is the classic. Clarence Clemens, 1990, Halloween. Can't go wrong. Hosting the first annual Whore Hall of Fame is a grave responsibility. <clears throat> So I dug up an old friend of mine, a real old friend of mine, to give me a hand. From HBO's Tales from the Crypt, The Crypt Keeper. Thanks, Robert. I'll be happy to lend you a hand. Just make sure you get it back by Tuesday. <laughs> So while Robert England was the host, as we established, he actually had a co-host, the Crypt Keeper, Jay. <laughs> oh, yes. And ironically, I think it's the Crypt Keeper who really brought this whole event to life. They throw to him whenever they're about to go to commercial, and it's the complete setup from the HBO series. The same animatronic puppet thing, mm -hmm. same voice. Yep. I think they even used like, the same chair and desk. It did seem that it was very authentic, yes. Very authentic. I think they cut to him four or five times throughout the event, and it's always great. Like, just ghastly puns, that cackle, a little bit mm -hmm. of the classic Tales from the Crypt theme. Yeah. Really made me remember what it was like in those early years of Tales from the Crypt. Like, I don't know if it's ever really been given proper credit for being such a gateway drug to this genre for so many of us. I'm totally with you on that. And I think it's fantastic that they did this. Although I'm thinking, okay, so Robert England got asked to host this award show, right? Yeah. And what an honor. First ever horror hall of fame and Robert England's hosting it in a fitting fashion. So Freddie kind of has to take a backseat to the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> so totally. does, does this open up some kind of like horror icon rivalry? I'm with you. The Crypt Keeper kind of outshined him a bit. We were like 10 when that show hit TV, right? Yeah. That Crypt Keeper was totally kid-friendly. Do you remember the episode where the criminal is stranded in the desert and buzzards mm -hmm. peck out his eyeballs? Yes. Like, what am I? I'm fucking 10 when yeah. I'm watching this? Yeah. And it's pretty serious shit, but you have the Crypt Keeper there, so you feel like it's okay. Yeah, but it it wasn't. I mean, that stuff was rated R. I, I mean, they used to have a warning before that show. <laughs> come a, on. a warning that all of us... I mean, yeah. come on. The Crypt Keeper, like, within a year, had his own Saturday morning cartoon <laughs> and toy line, so it, they knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah. 
We've got the steamy story behind the psycho shower scene, plus more monster makeups with Steve and Linnea. But first, a little torture. Commercial. <laughs> has been killing audiences for years. Her weapon? A razor-sharp sense of humor. Please welcome the star of the upcoming horror comedy, The Boneyard, Miss Phyllis Diller. so comfortable in that cave it reminds me of my kitchen <laughs> I'm not cut out for housework I'll tell you that Fang keeps saying well housework never killed anybody I said why take a chance <laughs> we got a ring around the tub you can set a drink on <laughs> Phyllis Diller the legendary comedian <laughs> she she is one of these comedians who is just known because she's so quirky and original and she's been in everything she's been in movies and tv shows and everything so there so is we'll nothing she wouldn't do that was the gimmick with phyllis is that like literally anything including a fucking syndicated horror award show yeah she would do and she had like one of the best laughs of all time <laughs> she does a stand-up routine at the horror hall of fame and you're thinking Okay, well, I don't even understand this. So the stand-up routine is mostly about the horrors of being at home and cleaning the house and dealing with the family members and stuff like that. But at first, if you're watching this, you're thinking, okay, who is this wacky woman and why is she getting her time on the Horror Hall of Fame? But Look, you're being generous when you, like, you described it as she's talking about the horrors of housework as if it somehow ties into the Horror Hall of Fame. It doesn't. It is literally the same Phyllis Diller shtick you would have got, like, in Atlantic City. Exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> and then his mother, the real monster. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't know how to describe her. Picture Tip O'Neill in a sundress. <laughs> I'm going to tell you two reasons why this does fit into the Horror Hall of Fame. And, and the first thing is that she legitimately has been in a lot in the genre. So they mentioned that her role that was uh, coming up soon at the time was called the boneyard which is a mm -hmm. horror comedy and she's been in the scooby-doo movies she was in rankin bass mad monster party and rod serling's night gallery so she has been in the genre totally on brand and i think the next part is where we really need to dive deeper so i want to discuss with you what she was wearing you may have to pull it up. I don't know if you... I'm sure you oh, watched no, no, it 16 no, no. times. You remember, you, right? fuck it. You, don't for, so, you don't forget what Phyllis was wearing yeah, at the so, Horror Hall of Fame So she comes out, she's waltzed out onto the stage with this punked out red spiky hair and this dress that looks like it's like flaming feathers. Like she's like some sort of um, chicken or something, but like with these crazy colors. <laughs> she looked like an inside out Teletubby, basically. <laughs> so immediately it made me think of something. I need to send you something and of course okay. i didn't i didn't do it like i said before so i'm gonna have to just send it to you now so i'm gonna send you a link mm -hmm. and i want you to peruse through this google image search okay i'm gonna pull it up right now okay 
Oh. And oh. when when you look through this, this is a fiery. The character is called Fiery from the movie Labyrinth, and she looks exactly like a fiery. She does. It's it's <laughs> close enough to where I have to imagine that she is cosplaying as this ridiculous monster. I mean, there's no way that she intended on it, but she really does look like she could well, be. What the fuck else would she be? I mean, like you said, I know she was there to promote some movie that I've never seen. What did you say it was? Uh, the Boneyard. The Boneyard. I don't yeah. know. Is, is that something she wore in the Boneyard? Because if it isn't, it is definitely this thing from Labyrinth. It is the most ridiculous <laughs> outfit. It is like so the ridiculous. only thing that marked Phyllis's appearance as a horror thing was the outfit. <laughs> She's standing there. I think she even had her face painted, maybe even. Yeah. <laughs> she had like green face paint on this like crazy fucking Cindy Lauper wig and this dress that looked like this goddamn thing you just sent me. The characters of the Fireys. They do this crazy thing where they could take their heads off their body and, like, they could, like, throw their heads around. I'm just thinking, like, if she was intending on that, that would be really horrifying to have Phyllis Diller try to take your head off and throw it around like a basketball. Had she done that at the Horror Hall of Fame Awards, we would have done this show years ago. Oh, right? yeah. Come on. <laughs> that would have been the whole impetus of the Purple Stuff <laughs> <Exactly>. podcast. <Yeah. laughs> Oh, and speaking of old, the best contraceptive for old people is nudity. <laughs> and be nice to your children because they will be choosing your rest home. Screamers, and who better to share them with us than the man of your screams, Sam Kinison? Yes, ah, I, I just, I've lived, I've just met Sarah Karloff, and I'm like, you know, I had a little trouble wondering why I was here tonight because I know it was the, uh, you know, hall. Poor Hall of Fame. I have to say it just right because, you know, people are expecting something from me on a joke like that. But uh, uh, I, I have, uh, I've had some experiences in the war. I was married twice, and, uh, and my movie agent's been legally dead for three years. Oh, ah! So, he has no pulse. So one of the people who got a big star welcome from the audience was Sam Kinison. Absolutely, yeah. He was a rock star at that point. Totally. Like, there are points in that special where you could tell that they're piping in the crowd noise, mm -hmm. but they were totally wild for Sam. Yeah. And I feel like you would have been, too. He seems like somebody you were really into <laughs> as a kid. He was really outrageous, but also he was very tied into the 80s rock scene, and he was in music videos and things like that, so that's why I really liked him. Yeah, I liked him because he helped normalize wearing heavy coats in 1,000-degree temperatures. You know him behind that 100%, Jay. <laughs> So Sam's there to give shout-outs to some of 1990s upcoming horror movies because I guess, like, the reality about this special is that it's sort of just this big infomercial. It's half legit and it's half just a commercial. Right, yeah, I, I know what you mean. 
but I wanted to highlight Sam for a few reasons. First things first, he's this like shock jock comic who somehow became this lovable pop icon. And even in this little minor appearance at a cheesy horror movie award show, you could see that that would never happen in 2021. Oh God, no. Well, yeah. he would he would have been canceled a long time ago. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He's introducing a clip from Graveyard Shift, I think it was. And somehow in that section, he manages to call Roseanne Barr a fat, hairy, slimy monster <laughs> who eats everything. <laughs> so I'm like, holy shit, this yeah. is like a fucking kidified award show. I'm like, wow, yeah. things have changed. They really have, yeah. And uh, number two, there's this like, ongoing gag at the show where various people allude to hating the lines that were written for them yeah and sam totally does that too he said a couple things and i'm like hmm that was strange <laughs> yeah yeah but you know it's amazing how he would just add that what is that noise he makes oh, oh! like you yeah. can probably do it oh, better oh! that's the one so he would do like a bad joke and then he would add the oh oh and then suddenly it seemed totally funny psycho four tells the story of a young norman bates this is some kid. He cuts class and everything else. Oh, oh! So the one thing that I noticed is as he was going through and making little quips about some of the movies he was introducing, the first one was Psycho 4, and I'm a huge Psycho 4 fan. Are you? Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorites. It's right up there with, like, Blair Witch 2 and Wishmaster. No, it's not. <laughs> it's funny that you would say no, it's not. Is as if you expected anything less from me saying. Well, that. <laughs> listen. Here's why I'm saying no, it's not. It's because I hear about Blair Witch Two and Wishmaster at least twice a day from you. Cycle Four doesn't come up that often. I think I've made my point on a previous show where you could watch Psycho, the original, and then Psycho Four as a sequel, and it works seamlessly. You don't even need two and three. But anyway, that's another story for another day. But this, I think it would be great if Sam Kinison did like a segment on a DVD, like a DVD extra, where he does a commentary of Psycho 4. I think that would be fantastic. Definitely a reason to resurrect him, Jay. Yeah, exactly. Or if someone wants to do like a Sam Kinison impression the whole time. You have the perfect impression in you, and I know it's tough to do on call, but I know it's in there. So at some point tonight, when you're ready, I want you to bust it out on me. Don't don't tell me when it's coming. Just fucking do it, okay? Okay. okay. So you mentioned uh, Psycho 4. Yeah. So he was shouting out some upcoming movies. You had Graveyard Shift, Psycho 4, like you said, Dark Shadows, Maniac Cop 2. And then you had Jacob's Ladder, which I oh, have one to of your point favorites. out. Yeah. Yes, yes. That I mentioned that on a really early show. That is one of the films that really fucking killed me. It took weeks to recover from. So Yeah, you love that movie. It's not very often mentioned now, but it was so influential. Like the stuff from Silent Hill and gobs of horror mm. movies totally got the effects style from that movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely see it. It's, it's really depressing and sad, but it'll scare you. In Jacob's Ladder, a postal clerk starts seeing really unbelievable things, like mail being delivered on time for a change. Anyway, uh, Sam Kinison, crowd pleaser. He must have been because they invited him back for the second Horror Hall of Fame Awards in 1991, which maybe someday in another show we'll talk about. Yeah, I look forward to that. Mm. Mm. Oh, oh. <laughs> Pleasure being here at the Whore Hall of Fame, and I'm going to go back and, since I've dug my own grave with some of those intros uh, here in show business, thank you for having me here tonight. Thank you very much. 
presenting an award for the best horror film of the year that you, the moviegoer, chose. All nominees were selected by the editors of Fangoria magazine. The winner was determined through a national poll with votes cast by moviegoers attending Cineplex Odeon Theatres, the nation's leading innovative theatre circuit, with more than 1,700 screens in the U.S. and Canada. The poll was conducted in conjunction with Movies USA magazine, the number one in-theatre magazine for moviegoers. The results from this exclusive Cineplex Odeon poll have been tabulated and will be announced later in the show. Next up, Matt, is the Cineplex Odeon. And you're probably thinking to yourself, what's the Cineplex Odeon? <laughs> Cineplex <laughs> Odeon. Um, like I think a fucking you're... Pokemon. Yeah. So Cineplex Odeon was a chain of movie theaters. And at one time, they were one of the larger chains like in the whole country. They did a vote, which we're going to talk about later, for best horror movie of the year kind of thing. So Right. The idea is that the people who went to the theater got the chance to vote on this. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I used to work at the Cineplex Odeon. And so that's the very, one. All those years yeah. of, on the show when you've been talking about your old movie theater days, it was a Cineplex, Cineplex Odeon. Odeon. Yeah, and I had my little part of the movie industry. I feel like those days when you worked at this um, Cineplex Odeon. <laughs> yeah. They were the best years of your life. Some of them, yeah. The most fun. Like, I seem like when you talk about them, you just fucking glow as everyone's about to hear (laughs) the the love and sincerity that's about to pour forth from you. I spent years working there. When did you start? How old were you? I was, it was my second job and I was 16 and I worked there for like five years, maybe. The funny thing is that at age 16, you still have the exact same voice as you do now. (laughs) You never got carded to go on the R-rated movies. Yeah, no, definitely not. The management, they kind of always let me do things that were tailored to my likes, which was neat. Well, give me an example. Were you like the barker who got people into theaters? What were you? <laughs> so like they would, they were very open to ideas. Mm-hmm. And so they always wanted to do things that were creative to celebrate like openings or opening nights. I had a million ideas, you know, I was ready to do anything. <laughs> Tell me about it, Jack. <laughs> so, so what happened was the general manager at the time, he was, he was one of the big wigs. He came to me and he said, so we got Scream 2 coming out. And I got called into a meeting, and it, it was just the general manager and me. And he, a meeting? He, Where do they have meetings in a the movie theater? You just, like, meet by the fucking concession? Like, is there a secret place? Do they have a big table hidden in the back? A meeting. Some, sometimes, like, I'd have to go up to his office, which was, like, on the uh, second floor where all the projectors were. Oh, uh, I would picture it more like the Danny DeVito taxi office. Like, just a small little alcove. <laughs> So anyway, I said, let me think on it. And I went back to him and I said, all right, I have an idea. I want to dress as Ghostface. And there's a point in the film before Scream 2, like the title comes up on the screen where the screen goes blank for like a few seconds. I said, at that point, I'll get one of the other ushers or whatever to blast out of the emergency exit doors and I will chase him with a knife in my hand all the way up the aisle like Ah. like a like a bat out of hell that's pretty awesome opening night every showing that happened and people got so scared they were screaming that would be pretty memorable if i was sitting in the audience 
Well, here's the thing. You have to remember, like, this is a fucking Cineplex Odeon in bumfuck New Jersey. You're not in Hollywood, California at the special screening. Right. So no one's expecting this major preferential treatment. Yeah. And then you bust in. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But it's like making it more of an experience that they may not have had anywhere else. I just think it would have been so cool to have been in the audience that night. <laughs> I really think when you're like flush with money and it doesn't really matter where you work, you should become a usher again just so you could do this wacky shit. Because I, I know. know like it's all you think about. And then the rest of the night was even cooler because in between the films, they had me walking around the lobby and just jumping out of like corners and stuff and <laughs> taking oh pictures God. with people. <laughs> it probably was like the greatest experience of your entire life. <laughs> My new goal is like, because you know someone had to take a picture of you. I have a disposable. picture, yeah. Oh, There's, you do? Yeah, I, there was these two women kept walking around the whole night, and they asked me to take a picture with them, and um, yeah. So there's right, one so that I, still exists. I expect I'll to see that on Instagram soon. Yeah. You can block out the, the women's faces. <laughs> That's amazing. That was worth the major detour from the award show. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I got buried under all this paperwork. Somewhere here is the winner of the best horror films of the year. Dying to know, aren't you? Good. You'll find out after these gravely important messages. present our next award are two fine actors. One co-stars every week with Tony Danza, and uh, the other has no co-stars because he kills them all. So please welcome from Who's the Boss and Cujo, Danny Pintauro, and from Friday the 13th, my nemesis, Jason. Like we said earlier, a large portion of the event was really straight played, very respectful, paying tribute to old movies, to old actors. But for purposes of this podcast, we're more interested in the weirder junk that happens, which brings me to the fact that they had actual horror characters presenting some of the awards. Absolutely. That was like super cool that they did that. First, we had Jason, who was paired with who was it? Danny, Danny Pintaro. Pintaro yep. The kid from Who's the Boss? Yep. And it's that old Arsenio gag where Danny is trying to introduce the award and he's like asking Jason questions and Jason doesn't respond because he's Jason and he doesn't <laughs> talk. For decades, vampires, mummies, and werewolves got all the good parts in Hollywood's horror movies. Right, Jason? And it's uh, totally movie quality Jason. Like, I think oh, it, they yeah. may have gotten Kane Hodder to do it. I was going to say, it seemed like it was. I don't want to go and say it was, because I don't know for sure, but it totally seemed like it could have been. Yeah, I did some research. So this is from 1990. As we said, the most recent movie at that point would have been Jason Takes Manhattan. And he looks the way he did he in that does. movie. He really does, yeah. So the great thing about it is they're there to present some like Lifetime Achievement Award to the people behind Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. So they get a couple of the producers on stage and like they're giving this heartfelt speech 
Yeah. Meanwhile, you got the fucking kid from Who's the Boss and Jason Voorhees like shuffling their feet awkwardly behind yeah. them. Yeah. So and good. I don't care who you are. If you have the actual movie Jason like hovering over you from behind, that's scary, man. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> as choreographed as I'm sure this all was, they probably didn't know that they were going to get this award presented to them by the kid from Who's the Boss and Jason <laughs> Voorhees. So it's like. They go up on stage and they don't know what the frick to do because yeah. I think Jason is the one who hands them the statue <laughs> and Jason can't see shit because he's got the costume on. So he's like, sort of like waving it around. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. It was. It was amazing. <laughs> the uh, other presenter I wanted to give a shout out to here was Chucky. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Chucky. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Hey, yeah. Uh... Thought you weren't going to be in makeup tonight. <laughs> Literally Chucky. Yeah. Animatronic doll on stage. White tuxedo. Brad Dorff is voicing him. It's, it's totally freaking Chucky. Sometimes, though, when it comes to Chucky, I always feel like it's always pre-recorded for some reason. Whether it was pre-recorded or not, I don't know what they were thinking giving Chucky, of all the presenters, the task of highlighting a bunch of international horror films. That, yeah, that was so whacked out. That's pretty ambitious. Like, yeah. you think if you needed someone to stand there for three minutes introducing unknown horror movies that have these hard-to-pronounce titles, yes. you would not pick the only presenter who was like a fucking audio animatronic. I'm here to show you some great moments from horror flicks around the world. Roll it, Fellini. Talk about getting canceled. I think Chucky could have got canceled after that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Jeez, some, some definitely culturally <laughs> yeah. insensitive yeah. remarks from the Chuckster that night. Back then, maybe you're not thinking that. But, yeah, now, woof. What makes it even more glaring is that he sounds so defeated even when he's delivering he these does. jokes. It's like It's almost like deep down he knew that they were a problem. He's like, oh, God, I'm really going to say this. And then he does. Yeah, he did sound like he might have uh, been aware of, of the issues. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, imagine like they tell you to go on stage and you're going to yeah. read this, these cue yeah. cards or whatever. Yeah. And you go up there and you're realizing mid-sentence that you're going to get totally fucked over <laughs> by saying this shit out loud. But yeah. what are you going to do? You're in front of a live audience and you're wearing a tuxedo. So yeah. you had to go through with it. Travel with me now to the black hole of Calcutta. India's horror fans are treated to a Taj Mahal of terror. In their movies in between vampire attacks, there are these musical numbers. Now that's scary. He also traded some quips at Robert England. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the whole Crypt Keeper Freddy thing. I yes. think this would have marked the only time that we kind of had a Freddy Chucky thing. Yeah, so in the same broadcast, like literally the same night in the same broadcast, you had Freddy, Jason, Chucky, Crypt Keeper. Phil Stiller. <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> Thank you. That's what okay, so they're good, but when it comes to spending your hard-earned money on a real movie, remember, buy American. Go see Child's Play too. That's it, England. Get my limo. I'm out of here. Thanks, Chucky. You're a real doll.
promotional consideration provided by Preferred Stock, the extra smooth cologne for an extra special man. A distinctive gift, new from the house of Stetson. Now, if you thought I took a detour on the last one, Matt, this one... Preferred Stock Cologne by Stetson. Uh, (laughs) You know, before we even start, look, we're each our own man, right? Yeah. Like, we do what we want to do in our own sections. We don't fucking argue with each other. Yeah. But you sent me the list of what you're going to cover, and I'm reading it. I'm like, what what the fuck is this shit? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's um, not horror related, but it was an advertisement. It was a night of cologne advertisements. That's what needs oh, to yeah. be said here. Every ad break was a different scent. <laughs> it's true. It they really had was. a yeah. lot of perfumey sponsors. You'd hear Shadow Stevens, who, and the reason why I mention him is he's the voiceover guy. He was a radio guy back then, and he was known for all of his voiceovers. He had a great voice, and he was also on Hollywood Squares, and he had you know, some degree of fame back then. So to, uh, For me, it was the Hollywood Squares thing. Oh, for that sure. was huge, yeah. And yeah. I was a big fan of his. I, I used to think he was a cool dude. Could you name somebody who had a cooler name? Come yeah, on. Shadow Stevens. Shadow Stevens. Yeah. That used to and, blow and my it, mind it, as a kid. Yeah, I used it, to think he was like the coolest guy yeah. like the voice the name yeah. the central position on hollywood squares like he had it all promotional consideration provided by the extra smooth cologne for an extra <laughs> special man <laughs> so i'm like oh they're talking about me so i needed that distinctive gift uh so you, you know, got from, yourself from preferred some stock. fucking preferred stock this was my second cologne right ever Okay, uh, what was because it? First my first of all, just one established. What was the first? That was English leather lime. Oh my god, I know the English yeah. leather. Yeah, the Kmart gift boxes. Oh of course. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was I had that when I was like eight. I nursed that one till I was like eleven or twelve or something. Yeah. Anyway, so I got this preferred stock. I'm like, this is ridiculous that they're even advertising it on a horror hall of fame. <laughs> there has to be a reason. So I think. The producers and the advertisers must have gone to some horror convention and said, man, it stinks to high heaven in here. These guys got to put some cologne on, right? Maybe next time we go to a horror con, we got to make sure we smell good. No, listen, we just went to a horror con and we had masks on. I didn't take my mask off (laughs) once and the wafts of BO, like totally cliche, just like hitting you like a ton of fucking bricks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Get some preferred stock up in there. My thing now is just for shits and giggles, they still sell it, right? I got to get it just to take a trip back to how I smelled when I was like 11. Was it comparable to English leather? Because that shit was no, strong. No, this would see to me, you know, the line from uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi when he's like, it's your first step into a larger world. <laughs> this was my introduction to actual men's cologne. So you like you sprouted some facial hair as soon as you put it on. I put on cologne. I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm an adult. You're making me want preferred stock cologne so badly <laughs> right now. Like, I just want to run out to Target. I mean, do you think they sell it at Target? They might. That, no, I think they sell it at Walmart. That's how swank it is. You know, I bet they even have it at 7-Eleven. <laughs> you know what's great, like, though? When you go into Walmart, they have, like, these kind of shitty colognes in the glass case, and you have to ask them to open it. Like, <laughs> it's it's so embarrassing. Like, uh, yeah. Who wants to say out loud that they're, they want the 250 English leather 
I have a problem asking for my Patron in the glass case, let it's alone so asking awkward. for cologne. Yeah, but I think you're going to have to make an exception for the preferred stock. It's time for you to bust it out again, Jay. I, yeah, I need to get a whiff of my life in 1990. Oh, man. <laughs> Boy. Uh, can we just talk about how many sponsors this event had? It was like 112. It so, like, been. just just to like be clear, when we say sponsors, we don't mean like happenstance commercials. It's actually like stuff that your boy Shadow Stevens is literally calling out during the event. Yeah. Get ready for a nightmare on your street, and this nightmare's name is Freddy Krueger. This four-player game means four times the fun and terror. Trident. Hyundai, Pepperidge Farm, USAR, Dentine, Ultra Slim Fast, Rollades, yep. the Nightmare on Elm Street Nintendo game. It was just endless. Rollades was never more popular than it was in the 80s and early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> what the? Lots of stress yeah, in those every, years, I guess. Yeah, I get a kick out of seeing those commercials. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Between the years, I would say 87 to 94, there was not a commercial break on any channel, even during a promo block on HBO, where you wouldn't get a reference to Rollades. Yeah, yeah. You Amazing. got everybody yeah, getting ulcers from their stock trading uh, going wrong. <laughs> their preferred stock trading. Oh! 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 <laughs> the Horror Hall of Fame is brought to you by Dentine. We'll take care of your breath. The rest is up to you. And by Hulsa Shampoo and Conditioner, the word means health, the name means beautiful. And by Ultra Slim Fast, a delicious, healthy way to lose weight. Uh, I'm here tonight to present the award for the best horror film of the year. The nominees are Dark Man. I didn't see that. Nightbreed, I'm sorry I missed that. Arachnophobia, I'm definitely planning on that one. Gremlins 2. And the one that you just saw the clip from, Tremors. The winner, Arachnophobia. And accepting the award is the director of Arachnophobia, Mr. Frank Marshall. All right, so let's talk about the big one, the award for best horror movie of 1990. I am very excited about this one, Matt. The nominated films were Darkman, Gremlins 2, Arachnophobia, Nightbreed, and Tremors. Wow, 1990 was secretly a really good year for horror. It was, and they made it a big deal. Like, Anthony Perkins was introducing them, I believe. Wow, he busts out of, like, this, I guess, like, fabricated He had an Undertaker hotel. entrance. No, dude, I'm <laughs> totally going to bring this up because yeah. it's like, they gave him the moon push. Yes, yes. Like, I was like, wow, I'm like, no, you know, no offense to Anthony Perkins, but I didn't realize that he was, like, fucking... The, the second coming of Christ. Well, like, they treated him like... I mean, this is a show where you have Vincent Price, lots of real, real big names. But Anthony Perkins is treated like God. When you look at Psycho as the first modern slasher, right? It's, yeah. it, it, it was the precursor to, you know, Halloween and, and all the movies that came after it. 
And I, I think it was good that they gave him that kind of credit. Totally with you. I think he deserves it. He's a wonderful actor who's done many great things. At the same time, I don't really get the sense that he was all that thrilled to be there that oh my <laughs> god he was like can, when he, he was, started naming the movies it was like oh, i didn't see that one oh, yes I didn't see this he was one. like basically Don't saying plan as, on as seeing this one <laughs> and it was it was it was, it was definitely ad-libbed because it's like the, like there's no way that his cue cards say to blast the movies as he's announcing yeah, them so oh my god sorry guys i didn't see your movie <laughs> oh boy so anyway the big winner was arachnophobia yeah. movie of the year horror movie of the year at least and the award was accepted by frank marshall who directed it mm -hmm. and there's this cute bit where the spider from the movie slides down in a web and gets all up in frank's hair really cool fun stuff love that that was great but what i wanted us to do here is see if we agreed with that winner so again you had arachnophobia Gremlins 2, Nightbreed, Tremors, and Darkman. Yeah. I have to say, from my perspective, you know I love Gremlins 2. Probably my all-time favorite movie. But you also love Arachnophobia. I do, and I think Arachnophobia fits the bill for horror much better. So I agree. I think I would give Arachnophobia the nod for the best horror movie of 1990. Really? See, I definitely would go with Gremlins 2. And the only reason... I mean, I'm obviously... I'm a huge Gremlins fan in general, like the whole franchise, but I feel like the reason why it does deserve to win, obviously because the special effects and the idea that a horror comedy should not be discounted. It's still in the horror genre, and I, I'm a huge fan of horror comedies, and that's one of the best horror comedies ever. If we were naming the best movie of the year, decade, or all time, and we weren't adding any kind of genre moniker, it's Gremlins 2. Beats yeah. any other movie ever. Yeah. But Arachnophobia for a horror movie, I think that one works. Yeah. Not many people talk about that movie anymore, but I was really... Did you see that one in theaters? I know you saw no, everything else. I didn't you see You didn't? That. The one movie no. you didn't see is the one that was perfect to see in theaters. Dude, I like... You know, like when you're a kid and like you're much more limber and you can like get your knees like basically behind your head. Yeah. I watched the whole movie like that because I was so afraid that spiders were going to romp my legs. <laughs> I do remember seeing the original trailer when I was in a movie. I looked at my sister. I'm like, we're not seeing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it holds up so well because it's yeah. all practical. So there's it nothing it, in it that's like dated at all, except for like, I guess, the script. But other than that, it's yeah. really good. I don't hate spiders, but I'm just not into like insects in general. So you'll actually actively avoid an insect-driven movie? Yeah, like The Fly. I've never been a fan of The Fly either. Really? Or, yeah, any, oh, any wow. insect-related. I, I thought I was the bug guy of the duo, the anti-bug person. Oh, really? See, well, you can't be because you love spider movies. And you love, yeah, but dude, I I haven't eaten outdoors in 25 years because I'm so afraid of bugs. Well, I'm the same way. I, I just, I can't deal with insects. Anyway, really good year for horror movies. Gremlins 2, Arachnophobia, and Tremors. Like, that's strong shit right there. This is big time. This is when these guys are just so into pop culture. Like, everybody knows Chucky. Everybody knows Jason and Freddy. It's yeah, not just it was, some, it, like, underground thing. One thing that really comes through when you watch this special is that it was so much fun. It was just fun uh, shit. Great cast. Oh, my heavens. Well, actually... This award really belongs to the star of Arachnophobia, and I think he should be here to pick it up, and here he is, Big Bob. Thank you very much.
Fame from Universal Studios Hollywood. We'll be right back. So this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast, Matt. This has been the Purple Stuff Podcast, our deep dive into the 1990 Horror Hall of Fame Awards. So we're going to do our thing, right? Yeah, we got to do that. All right. Uh, you want to go through mine? You want me to go through yours? Yeah, I'll go through yours. So uh, you had quite a list, as usual. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, the Crypt Keeper uh, and his side hosting job, uh, your horror icon presenters, Jason and Chucky. And Danny Pintaro. Jonathan! <laughs> Mona! <laughs> and then Sam Kinison. And then the best horror movie of the year. I think my favorite out of this whole thing will be The Crypt Keeper. Because he was clearly the star of the show. Good night, Roberts. See you on Tales from the Crypt, kiddies. Unpleasant dreams. <laughs> Think about how that event would have played without the Crypt Keeper. It would have seemed a lot more lifeless. Right. So, yeah, totally, like, he made the special. He says, unpleasant dreams, right? And that's Elvira's line. <laughs> so I'm thinking, how was Elvira not on this broadcast? Elvira should have been there. Well, she kind of was because they showed that mug root beer commercial that I was talking about last year. Want to go psycho with me, Elvira? You're at the Bates Motel. Look for me wherever they sell mug root beer. Classic commercial, big time. Yeah, exactly. So let me look at what you did here. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> you opened our show about the 1990 Horror Hall of Fame Awards with a commercial starring Clarence Clemens. The big man. The big man. Really classic commercial. Yeah. I, I just love the vibe. It just like screams late 80s, early 90s Halloween season to me. I think the thing about that is it's just an underrated commercial that doesn't get a lot of uh, activity. Yeah, neither does Clemens these days, yeah. and, and both deserve more kudos. <laughs> well, it's because Clemens has left the earth. Well, you know, half the people in this special have. We still talk about them. <laughs> You had a uh, long winding tribute to your days doing weird ass shit at the <laughs> Cineplex Odeon. Yes. That story is great, by the way. And I am going to hold you to putting that picture on Instagram. So um, if you yeah. haven't, by the time this thing goes live, everyone get on his ass. <laughs> um, Phyllis Diller in her fiery costume. Jim Henson fiery labyrinth costume. Yeah. And your final thing was the, oh, and the preferred stock cologne as introed by Shadow Stevens. Uh, does he really spell his name S-H-A-D-O-E? You can't trademark Shadow, I guess. <laughs> Maybe that's, I wonder if that, you know, I gotta look up. Was that his real name? It can't be. I, it might have been. He's from no, like. Let's, let's find out. I think he was from like South Dakota or North Dakota. Well, no, he was actually born Terry Keith Ingstad. Oh, okay. So neither the surname nor first name were the real ones, but man, did he know how to pick a name? He really did. Yeah, he's he. It worked for him. Um. Okay. So what am I gonna go with here? Hmm. Well, I do like all of these picks. Yeah. But in terms of the spirit of the Horror Hall of Fame Awards and how it's just this anomaly, this 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 just totally batshit thing that somehow works, I gotta go with Phyllis Diller. Yeah. <laughs> and of course I'm here because I live with a bunch of monsters Fang, oh please 
Happiest day of my life will be the day I open the refrigerator door and see his face on a milk carton. The special was 85% done by that point. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of like corny, weird stuff. When you think it can't get any stranger, Phyllis Diller comes out for a five minute stand up routine dressed like a fucking neon chicken. Like it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> it would have been nicer if she maybe wrote like a few one liners about actual horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> for what for what they paid her for this, you cannot expect fresh material. She was gonna use her leftovers. Just be yeah. glad she showed up at all. <laughs> So this was the first of three Horror Hall of Fame award shows. If there's enough interest, maybe we'll cover the other ones someday. Yeah, you guys got to let us know if you dig it. Yeah, but in the meantime, we are on Patreon. Yeah, that's patreon.com slash purple stuff. That's where you can get exclusive bonus shows every month. And of course, during this time of year, they're all spooky stuff. That's our favorite kind of thing. So I'm excited to be in that time of the season because... We've had a rough go of it as of late, so it's time. Yeah, yeah, now we can forget all our troubles and just totally ignore all of the real-life crises going on in the world to go mm. hunt for killer clowns masks and Duncan's pumpkins and whatever the oh, frick else. Yeah. This is it. This is the best time of the year. So, everybody, thanks so much for listening to the Purple Stuff podcast. I am Jay from Sludge Central. I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. Oh, I I was going to make you do it if you didn't do it. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you all next year when we do the sequel, Horror Hall of Fame 2. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. The Horror Hall of Fame has been brought to you by Trident Sugarless Gum and by the full line of quality cars from Hyundai. Yes, Hyundai. And by Pepperidge Farm Cookies. Promotional consideration provided by USAA. This winter, USAA offers low fares to the Bahamas, Puerto Rico, Florida, California, and Arizona. Call your travel consultant on USAA, America's most frequent flyer. Stetson Cologne. Great masculine scent that's easy to wear and hard for a woman to resist. Stetson Fits. For fast relief of acid indigestion, use 1,000 milligrams strong extra strength Rolaids. The only antacid in an assortment of mint flavors.